Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. Our first lesson today comes from Psalm 90 in selected verses. This begins the fourth book. Actually, the Psalms are divided into five books. Bit of trivia there. I won't say it's trivial, but a bit of information there. And this begins the fourth one. Listen now to the Word of God. Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. You sweep them away, and they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning, in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. The days of our life are seventy years, or perhaps eighty, if we are strong. And even then their span is only toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So teach us to count our days, that we may gain a wise heart. And this is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes from the book of Philippians, picking up in chapter 3, verse 12. Listen now to the Word of God. Paul writes when he says, "'Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal.'" But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whenever I have preached on New Year's Day or on a Sunday that has come close to New Year's Day, and that could actually be very late December or very early January, there are two images that come to my mind and two stories to which I always return, it seems, when I'm speaking, preaching on such a day as today. The first one comes from I'm going to say December 1986. It was very close to Christmas, maybe the 22nd, something like that. Uh, for whatever, well, I was in Charlotte for a reason. I was there to see a good friend of mine, and we were having lunch at his mother's condominium. And I can, it was pretty close, like I said, to Christmas, so that we were already talking about New Year's plans as well. And it was interesting listening to his mother <clears throat> 
because I knew that she had been in her life to many uh, festive New Year's Eve parties. Many a time she had pulled out the ball gown and had been, again, black tie events and maybe dinner parties with friends, a variety of New Year's Eve celebrations in which she had participated. Well, that year she was looking forward to staying at home. She said, you know, I, I've kind of done it all. This year I just want to sit in my chair and watch the ball come down on Times Square. And I'm not going to make any resolutions because I always break them. But I am going to make a special wish for each of my children into the coming year. Now, for the oldest one was married, and she said, oh, they need to have a baby. So that's my wish for them. She didn't consult with them, but that was her wish for them. For number two, she needs to find somebody and get married. So that was going to be her wish for daughter number two. For daughter number three and third child, she said she just needs to settle down and do something. Now, this was someone who had held a variety of jobs, who had done them well. There was never a question of her competence. I mean, she, she did well at the job, but she would get bored or just want to do something else, and so she would take on another job. And so that was, you know, that was her hope is that she'll just find a job she really likes, can do it well, and just stays with it. And then for my friend, uh, her wish for him was good health. He had not really had bad health that fall, but he had this lingering cold that just never would quite go away. It would get better and then would come back. And so that was her wish for him. And I liked that idea of having a wish for people for the new year. And that has stayed with me over time, kind of an aspiration somewhere between a resolution and a goal, uh, something to pursue in, in the coming year. That story comes to mind as I look at our Scriptures for today, and starting with our passage from the Psalms. Now, I learned that verse, that section, that, that last verse that I read this way, to teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. That was the purpose, uh, that was the prayer of, of that psalm. A prayer for us is that we would use our time well and strategically, and not just good time management. Now, I think many of us have made time management resolutions over the years, and some have worked, some I've had to return to that. I've got my own kind of list of some time management strategies I'm going to try in the coming year. Um, it's, I've got a short list of new practices. It's more than just that. Teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. It's a prayer for us, a wish for us to gain wisdom from our past year. To look at the challenges that we have faced, the opportunities that we have taken, Sometimes there have been a road that we have followed, and sometimes there's been a road we've not taken. To assess that, what did we learn? What did we gain from that? And take it forward going into this new year. If someone were to sit down with me, I'll kind of go ahead and give you a preview of a, what a pastoral counseling session would be like if, if someone were to sit down with me and talk about uh, a mistake that they had made, uh, some, again, path that shouldn't have taken or something that was done, and they're kind of more than confessing, they're confessing and saying, and where do we go forward from that? 
My question would be, well, did you learn anything? And depending on the nature, maybe even a kind of a humorous way, and sometimes it might be very serious. What have you learned from this? Is there something you've gained from this to help you do better in the, in the year ahead or the time ahead? How is God going to redeem this situation? And so that is my, my prayer for us. What have we learned to go forward? It's been interesting reading people's reviews of 2016. Uh, for some, it's been oh, so a terrible year, and they'll list all of these reasons why. Uh, for some, it's been a good year. Uh, for me personally, it's, it's been a good year. I, I've had fun, quite frankly. Uh, I've had fun with my family. We have done some great things, and we've had some less than ideal moments. Uh, but, but I'm going to look back on 2016 favorably. Personally, it's, it's been a good year. And some of you are like that, that personally, 2016 was good. Professionally, or in this area, I've seen better. And it might be the reverse. Some of, some of you have had um, professionally you know, good years that at home just was not the best and you would not want to repeat. From this, what have I learned? How can we go forward? And with that in mind, I'm looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians and the things that he had to say to them where he looked back and he looked forward. Now, some of you um, already know this, but it's going to repeat. Paul wrote this letter in prison. The people of the church in Philippi, a city in modern-day Greece, um, had given him a gift, had collected an offering, and had sent it to him. And so, his mama raised him right, you write a thank you note. And of course, that is the way you communicate in those days, long distance by notes and letters. And so, let's take this as an opportunity uh, to write some more words of advice and encouragement to them. Essentially, the church was doing pretty well, so there's not many major issues that are, are described. And they're not perfect, and that's alluded. But uh, he uses that as an opportunity to speak to them. And again, he's in prison, so he's got a lot of time on his hands. But it's interesting as he talks about his situation, he talked about his opportunities. He had a guard that was chained to him. They took turns. And so he's got an opportunity. He literally has a captive audience as an opportunity to talk about Jesus Christ with the different guards. And I guess some were interested, some were not, but they began to talk, the guards began to talk amongst themselves. And he said, what a wonderful opportunity I have. He also said that because I cannot be out and about teaching and preaching, others are doing it. Now, for some, they're saying, gosh, Paul can't do it. I need to pick up the slack. And he's grateful for that. And then for others, uh, they're thinking, hmm, that Paul thinks he's so big and now he can't get out. I'm going to do it, and I'll bet it just makes him pea green with envy. And Paul basically says, you know what? The Lord is being proclaimed. It's no skin, you know, no skin off of me. More power to them. As a side note, it reminds me, God can redeem tacky behavior. And for me, that is good news. That even tacky behaviors out there, God can somehow take those, renew them, and use them for the glory. So that's the perspective that he is, he is given and what's going on. And as part of his letter, he reviews his past, telling his story. 
And remember that Paul, as a rabbi, he was a hot shot. He was a top gun. He, he, he was just the Harvard MBA. If there was a magazine, four under 40 among the rabbis, he had been on the cover. He was a sharp guy. But he, and he had the heritage. He's aware of his bloodlines. He knows his tribe. He is part of the tribe of Benjamin. And he knows his heritage. As I've said elsewhere in times about Paul, he knows he's a Roman citizen, and he's very proud of that. And he's very comfortable in the Greek culture. He could go from city to city and know exactly what to do and what to say and when to say it. And so he does have a value on the gifts that God has given him. But at the same time, he can say it's a gift, but I'm beyond that. What I pursue is Christ. And compared to that pursuit, all these other things, they're like rubbish. He doesn't really, really devalue them, but he knows what his ultimate value is. And he wants to look forward. And that's what he's talking about in the section that I read. Forgetting what lies behind, I am going forward. Despite everything that has happened, I am going forward. He values his past but not captive to the past. He wants to use it. Just for a moment to look at our own church as we begin this new year. And Jim, I'm going to give another commercial for Holy Cow that was already pre-planned in the sermon. We have a pastor-nominating committee has been elected. And for those that were present that Sunday that, the, that you all elected them, we even had a laying on of hands. They've had a prepara one preparation meeting. They've uh, got a little more training to go. But basically, they're going to get to work here in January. They're going to hit the ground running. And pray for them because y'all are going to work hard, okay? I just remember right there. <laughs> and when they, they call a pastor, no one's going to be yelling hallelujah more than they are when that work is done. They have this task in front of them, and we have that opportunity to participate in those holy cow conversations. That is part of the process of how do we go forward in a way for getting things that lay behind us, focusing on where we're going. We have our usual work here at the church. Give a commercial for the uh, mission conference that kicks off a month from today, February 1st. It's a Wednesday night. Our usual mission conference, except it's mission emphasis, excuse me. Just remember, we've, we've, we're changing our, our terminology. It's the mission emphasis. It's taking off in this, this new year. Now, this is also a season where different ministry teams are kind of reevaluating different projects and programs and saying, where do we want to be with certain certain things. And um, that's good. That's part of the process. I'm not going to go through an exhaustive list right now. This is a season for this church to reevaluate and to plan, to think ahead. Where are we going? That is part of that prayer of number our days, gave us a heart of wisdom, help us to learn from the past and use our time wisely. And this, like I said, I've been speaking about the church, but this is also something for your own life. Lord, this has been my past year. These have been my highs. These have been my lows. What are you teaching me through this? And how do I go forward?
in whatever ways that God is calling you in terms of your, particularly in terms of your faith or ways that God's calling you just to serve wherever you find yourself in your community, in your workplace. Ways that God is at work. Well, I told you there were two stories and I shared the first one of the friend's mother and her wishes for the children. The other one is a story from the mid-1970s And it was New Year's Eve, 1974, going into 1975. A family, a a couple, um, were planning a New Year's Eve party, and they had this great kind of theme idea, but realized it was not going to work. And so in their conversation with the adult daughter, and she said, look, you know, 1974, it was not a great year, and listed several of the downers of that year, and some of you all would remember that and and particular reasons. And they said 1974 was not a good year. 1975 is not going to be any better, I don't think. What's there to celebrate? And so they said, aha, that's it. This is going to be our party. Come as your favorite year. Thinking, well, 1975 won't be so great. Well, let's bring out a past year. And so they did. And it was funny to see the, the different guests come. Uh, the adult daughter came as 1961, her year of being a teenager. One fellow came as 1952. One woman came as 1945, her freshman year at college, and some wonderful adventures that she had that year. One fellow even came as 1942. Because he was young and he knew I'm in this, I'm part of this bigger thing as we, we basically fight this great evil. I am part of this great thing. And he was young and so much was out in front of him at that time. Well, as will often happen as you get in that discussion about years, people began to challenge, well, what year was so great about that? Okay, yeah, 1942, there was a war going on. What was so great about that? Yeah, it was good for you personally, but what about that? Oh, 1952, it wasn't that good a year after all. And the mother told the daughter, who had loved 1961, do you know what it was like to have a teenage daughter in 1961? That was a terrible year for me. And it began this this debate. Well, then an older guest spoke up. She had come to the party kind of along with another couple. She was 94 years old, and she said, kind of, I'm tired of you all arguing. And she said, you know what? As opposed to toasting your favorite year, I want to toast my favorite minute. And that minute is now. Because she said at 94, every minute is a gift. Every moment is a gift. And as they wished one another, kind of getting that moment of truth had happened to all of them, and they're wishing each other a happy new year as it was rolling into 75, she just says, happy now. Happy now. You have your own evaluations, the best of times, the worst of times, combination thereof. For some, it's been a memorable year. For some, it may have been a disastrous year. And for some, it may have been a basic year. Some good, some bad. It's a good overall, you're going to say positive, but nothing, you know, exceptional for the Christmas newsletter. Just a good, just a basic year. This year is a gift. 
and forgetting what lies behind, let's press onward to what we have before us. Let us press onward and teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.